An all-new Wolverine comic series launches today for the first time in six years. Today I'll answer where's Wolverine been in the Marvel Universe and why hasn't he had a comic book series since 2014, where the new Wolverine series fits in the X-Men Dawn of X, and who are the villains of the new Wolverine ongoing comic book series. Let's go, it's Wolverine number one. Today on Kraken Krakoa number 34, where does Wolverine fit in the Dawn of X? My name's Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. If you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. You can find full X-Men, Wolverine, and comic book reading orders on comicbookherald.com. Spoilers for discussed comics may follow. Wolverine number one is an oversized, excellent, and $7.99 special with two full stories written by Ben Percy. The first, with art by Adam Kubert and colors by Frank Martin, is an extended continuation of the Dawn of X, X-Force run Percy's been writing as well. The issue kicks off with an opening reminiscent of Old Man Logan, with X-Force teammates Jean Grey, Domino, and Quentin Quire apparently dead at the hands of a badly wounded amnesiac but healing Wolverine. Wolverine seemingly has no idea how his teammates have been killed, where he's been, or frankly, even who he is. Jumping back in time, though, really since X-Force number one, Percy's shown a clear desire to explore concepts of safety on Krakoa. And in the case of Wolverine, this character surrounded in generations of violence, the idea of ever letting go enough to truly be at peace. Calling back to the imagery of Hickman and Laraz in House of X number one, there's something remarkably sweet about Wolverine playing hide-and-seek with a bunch of young mutants and only having his spot revealed by a teasing Jean Grey. It's a wonderful, wonderful moment of peace for a man who has long not had it. Before we get to the inevitable problems that pull Wolverine out of his reverie, though, it's interesting to look back at Wolverine's past decade and the circumstances that led to the most familiar version of the character lacking an ongoing Marvel series for six whole years. Coming into the decade, Wolverine's popularity was so high that the running gag became Wolverine's true mutant ability was the ability to participate on endless super teams. From 2010 to 2014, Wolverine is a regular in Avengers, as shown here, Wolverine and the X-Men, Uncanny X-Force, and major Marvel events like Avengers vs. X-Men and Age of Ultron, among countless other appearances. Oddly, as a solo title, Wolverine was definitely not setting Marvel's world on fire. So in 2014, Marvel began the march to a four-issue Death of Wolverine miniseries. There's an inevitability of resurrection in superhero comics, but regardless, Charles Soleil and Steve McNiven delivered a high-quality and poignant Death of story arc to send Logan out of the Marvel U, encased in a tomb of adamantium, at least for a time. As I mentioned, technically there has now been a six-year gap between Wolverine's solo comic titles, but that's not the whole story. In reality, Marvel took Logan off the board from 2014 to 2017, but even during that time period, they hedged their bets with two Wolverine properties running at the same time. The first is the excellent Tom Taylor-written all-new Wolverine, in which Laura Kinney, previously known as X-23, assumed the legacy mantle of Marvel's uh, all-new Wolverine. She here meets her sister, if you will, kind of a clone sister, Gabi, uh, who goes by Honey Badger eventually, and the duo sort of found their way into a really excellent run, again written by Taylor, that took a new look at a, a Wolverine. Again, X-23 is Wolverine's clone. If anyone was worthy of the mantle, it would certainly be Laura. And that was a pretty fascinating legacy era, even if at the same time, Marvel was kind of trying to have its cake and eat it too by hedging with a series called Old Man Logan. I feel Old Man Logan was a particularly egregious hedge in the sense that um, they sent from Battleworld, 2015 Secret Wars, 
Old Man Logan into the main Marvel Universe. Now, Old Man Logan is a comic book series written by Mark Miller that in the uh, around the 2007-2008 time frame in which it's a potential alternate future where Wolverine has sheathed his claws, the world is kind of a wasteland, the bad guys won is the premise of it all. And we follow Wolverine sort of trying to get back some of his humanity after his family is killed or get some justice. Old Man Logan now jumps into the Marvel Universe in a series that actually, I mean, it's occasionally interesting, but it also was definitely a way for Marvel to just say, well, we have Laura here, and that's great, but maybe we're not fully confident in her being our only Wolverine. Let's bring actual Wolverine, just an alternate reality version, who is, of course, older and from one of our more popular series. The official return of mainline Wolverine came in the pages of Marvel's 2017 Marvel Legacy one-shot, although it took until 2018-19's Uncanny X-Men relaunch and ultimately House of X Powers of Ten to fully reintegrate Logan into the universe. Even as 2019's Return of Wolverine miniseries was being published, though, Wolverine was already bouncing around the universe side-wide War of the Realms event, doing things like punking Spider-Man, just like the good old days. The post-return interim has been full of an embarrassingly confused array of teasing half-measures, such as the Hunt for Wolverine miniseries and the aforementioned The Return of Wolverine mini, and a wild left turn into the Cosmic Infinity Wars and Wolverine and the Infinity Watch series. If, again, like post-Marvel Legacy one-shot, you're trying to keep tabs on what the heck was going on with Wolverine, Truly, even at Comic Book Herald, where I follow and track the continuity of characters and comics, it was pretty mind-boggling just the dissonance in what Marvel appeared to be doing with the character, which is not even yet quite mentioning. Meanwhile, in the pages of Jason Aaron's run on Thor, the cosmic nature of Wolverine was jacked up to 11, with a future version of Logan inheriting the Phoenix Force and fighting both Old King Thor and an all-time powerful Doctor Doom at the end of time, all of which is to say Wolverine hasn't just been good old fashioned Wolverine in a, a really, really long time. Again, trying lots of just kind of weird interstellar cosmic ideas with the character that don't necessarily suit what, you know, the bread and butter that Logan was built on. Time will tell if any of those wild cosmic ideas come back into play during the Hickman X-Men era, but for the time being, we're more or less back to the classic familiar Wolverine. He's taking on tracking missions for the X-Men, hunting the children of the vault, and he's executing covert ops in the pages of X-Force. The biggest acknowledgement of time past is the X-Men number 5 exchange, where Laura Kinney asserts her status as codename Wolverine still, with Logan backing the claim like a proud father. I, for one, was very, very happy to see this. I think it very much uh, works that you would have a scenario, much like you have established in the Matt Fraction, David A. Jaw, Annie Wu, Hawkeye series, where Kate and Clint, two different Hawkeyes, even though Kate would typically be considered the legacy version, they just call each other Hawkeye. I'm more than okay, given how good all-new Wolverine was, and kind of how essential it is to Laura progressing as a character from X-23, which, again is a code name given to her by, you know, like clone masters, essentially, that want nothing but to weaponize her. We can have two Wolverines. We'll be fine. It's pretty easy to figure things out. Back in the pages of Wolverine number one's first story, though, black market Krakoan flowers are driving increases in religious cults around the world, like the Order of X. Percy's shown an eye for exploring the impact of Krakoan drugs in X-Force, and Wolvie continues that trend with more conversation about pollen than you can shake an allergist at. 
As Jean Grey states later in the issue, they believe if they consume enough pollen, then Krakoa will bind with their DNA and make them something more, not quite human and not quite mutant, a hybrid life form, a new species. They think the same is true of our blood. So you have this strange thing where religious cults are both interested in consuming Krakoan pollen and in some extreme cases, consuming mutant blood. This all drives to an X-Force assemble moment with Wolverine enlisting Sage's aid to uncover an order of X-Cult hideout and bringing Jean, Domino, and Quentin with Gateway's chauffeuring aid to explore the mistreatment of Krakoa's pollen. The mystery revolves around how we truly get from this point to Wolverine surrounding his teammates' dead bodies in the snow and running headfirst into the CIA operative we also see tracking the pollen trade throughout this storyline. More to come, of course, and I'm excited to see how it all plays out, including the revelations of the mysterious pale girl behind it all. My first pale girl thought jumped to Miss Sinister. Yeah, I, I just read Dead Man Logan. Why are you asking? But that seems unlikely from the story ending a slight panel reveal. So more to come. I'm curious if you have thoughts on who the pale girl might be. Let's hear them in the comments or over at Comic Book Herald anywhere online. The second story by Percy and Victor Bogdanovich plays in more familiar Wolverine comic territory, but still tackles several Krakoa questions, such as the policy of inviting truly every mutant onto the island, regardless of their past deeds and inclinations towards, let's say, serial killing. The appearance of a bloody Omega Red, a longtime Wolverine nemesis dating back to 1991's X-Men No. 4 in comics history, by John Byrne and Jim Lee, of course, but even further back into Wolverine's backstory, requesting amnesty sets Wolverine on edge and leads to a confrontation with Magneto, who very joyously tosses Wolverine through a Kirkoan gate like a ragdoll. That was pretty fun to see. Wolverine and Magneto get into a pretty interesting debate about the dangers of a presence like Omega Red on Krakoa. Remember back in House of X number 5, it was actually Wolverine who expressed the most vocal objections to Apocalypse joining the island in the first place. Magneto argues the dangers of deadly mutants are nullified by Krakoa's resurrection protocols, and Wolverine counters with, Immortality don't erase trauma. <clears throat> Immortality don't erase trauma, bub. This is a very compelling argument in theory, but it raises the question that has come up a few times now, how much would a mutant actually remember about their death? After all, Professor X's backups occur weekly, not down to the second, so it's actually very likely that the circumstances surrounding a mutant's death would be unknown even to them. This comes up in the pages of X-Men number 6, where Magneto, Professor X, and Mystique can't quite be certain Mystique's goals were achieved prior to her death in House of X number 4. If that's the case, isn't Wolverine's point kind of null and void? Doesn't Magneto kind of win the argument? Regardless, Omega Red's presence and manipulation send Wolverine on a journey to Paris, where he runs into a swelling vampire nation who literally hang Wolverine upside down, surprise him, and stick a faucet in his neck like a living kegarine. As it's ultimately revealed, the vampire nation seeks Wolverine's endless blood to feed their leader, Dracula, who is very much in league with Omega Red. There's some data pages in this issue that define Wolverine's blood as something categorized as endless, and that it has, because of its healing properties, some, some very, very potent abilities. Dracula gives Omega Red, real name Arcady, the Car Carbonadium synthesizer he is literally always looking for, usually because Wolverine and Maverick are playing keep away with it, and with the Carbonadium synthesizer in his possession, Omega Red doesn't have to, you know, absorb life force in order to survive, in exchange for Omega's loyalty as a mole inside Krakoa. Appropriately, there's been a lot of theorizing about a mutant mole in the pages of X-Force, and Omega Red could certainly fit the bill. It almost seems too easy, and perhaps misaligned with Dracula's goals, but I do love the idea of Percy continuing to weave threads between Wolverine and X-Force. Uh, 
Likewise, Wolverine and the X-Men have a long, entertaining history battling both Omega Red and vampires, so I frankly love the inclusion here. There's also been some compelling work with Dracula and the Vampire Nation in the pages of Jason Aaron and Ed McGuinness' run on Avengers, uh, starting in Marvel Fresh Start in 2018, that may be worth exploring any, you know, as any crossover with Wolverine continues. If for no other reason than to showcase the panel I keep on hand of Captain America carrying a giant cross and yelling, so come take a big bite if you've got the stomach for it, at a crowd of vampires. I love the heck out of Wolverine number one more than even anticipated, and I'm thrilled to have this new series as part of the Dawn of X. Between this and the regular excellence of X-Force, I've been really impressed by Percy's contributions to the Dawn of X so far, and am greatly looking forward to more. If you have thoughts, opinions, theories of your own, comments, please share in the comments here on the YouTube channel, or of course, you can find me at Comic Book Herald anywhere online or comicbookherald.com for all of the Wolverine, X-Men, and many, many more reading guides. And as always, you can find these uh, via podcast at Best Comics Ever or at My Marvelous Year for our ongoing year-by-year read-through of Marvel history. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this review of Wolverine number one. And as always, enjoy the comics.